Hold one. Arm drag. Brett screwed Brett. It's me, Austin. I did it for the rock. Oh, shut your mouth, you thong wearing fatty. Number four, arm bar. I am Sir Michael Cole. What? Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Grapplecast. It's me, your host, Taryn, alongside Dan, Joe, and Jamie. Hello! What's up? Merry Christmas, Oos. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yes, Merry Christmas. It's that time of year again. Where has the year gone? Into lockdown, basically. But Yeah, well, if you're in Wales, we've got a special type of lockdown. You're only allowed to you have to do a head count before you go over people's houses now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's weird because they brought in those like restrictions for you guys and Scotland have as well, haven't they? And Northern Ireland's done some but not all, whereas in England we're still, yeah, crack on. Well, We'll see what the data does. It's going to be interesting to see what they do our end because obviously all these reports have come out today from like three different studies and something else that you know Omicron's actually you know like thirty to forty percent less likely to get severely ill or be ill. So I don't know potential overreaction. Who knows? This isn't a political podcast, but I'm kind of hoping they have a look at the data. They might bring one or two smaller restrictions in and then hopefully it'll just pass. For me, as long as they don't put football behind closed doors in England so I can still go. I know they have done with you guys, um, weirdly enough. But um, you can still go to a theatre, though, or a cinema in Wales, can't you? You can still be indoors with people looking forward watching a film, but you can't be outdoors with people (laughs) looking forward watching a football match, a soccer match. So. Oh, luckily, they, they loads on it. the telly. We've got, um, was it the Cleveland Browns versus Green Bay Packers on Christmas Day? So that's always oh, good. There we go. And SmackDown as well. I think SmackDown's the day after. I think they may have pre taped it though. So we've got they some have. wrestling. We've got NFL. I think the football's still on. We've got Rampage as well. That's There's a Christmas Day episode of Rampage. Send pre-tape. for Hook. Send Hook. Yes. I have read the results of Rampage. We won't, of course, talk about it on this episode because this will be going out Christmas Eve. We are recording the day before Christmas Eve, the 23rd. But I have read the results of Rampage. It seemed interesting. The main event Well, I thought it was live. What? <laughs> have you actually read the results, though? No, because it's only Did you actually think it was live? No, no it's they been recorded. Say- I watched Thingy before and he kept saying live on Christmas Day. Yeah, it's, it's not live. The main event was interesting because something happened and that's all we'll leave it at. Until next week, anyway. Was it a special but yes. Christmas treat? Uh, n- no. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we'll, we'll leave that for now because this is our special... Um, I say it's not really Christmassy at all. There's nothing Christmassy about it, or is there? Let's see at the end. But um, this is our year in review, the best and worst in wrestling 2021. And we mentioned it on last week's episode that we each be having a look at our uh, five best moments in wrestling, our five worst moments in wrestling, and any honourable mentions that you might want to throw in that didn't quite make our lists in between there. And just have a general breakdown and discussion of, well, what's been going on in 2021? It's been an interesting year, hasn't it, guys? Very, very interesting. Lots of ups, lots of downs, lots of future endeavours. But yeah, more um, more downs up. than ups. We won't go into all this yet. But what, what do we think is a general consensus overall? 
Well, I'm, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. You know, there's a lot of points that I've got here um, that I'm very happy about. And then when you look at the the bad times, you, you kind of get used to them after a while as a wrestling fan. But looking at the year as a whole, with the two major companies that we've got and the development of like how one company's really grown, um, you know, looking at that, we, we've now got an abundance of wrestlers wrestling on every single day of the week. And yeah, some of it's bad. Um, you know, we're all critical. But when we look back at this time, you know, looking back at um, the golden generation of wrestling coming back, um, all in all, I'd say glass half full. I'd say it's been a, an all right year, releases aside. Better for one company than another? No, I think both have grown. Um, grown? Well, both? Got... Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, um, WWE's making record profits and AEW um, is starting to grow fan base. So, yeah, I'd say both have grown, to be fair. What about you, Jamie? Have you felt the years gone? No. I think yeah. I'm going to say definitely without spoiling too much, one favourly leans in one direction and the yeah. worst leans in another direction. That's all I'm <laughs> going to say. What about you, Joe? Yeah, I'm the same as uh, Baby, really. Like, I think AEW have had a really good year. Like, they've like gone from strength to strength in AEW. And um, WWE have kind of been like, fizzling out and like screen I mean there's been a kind of good things with WWE but like it's just been a bit of with WWE AEW just keeps getting better and better in my personal opinion. Do we think it's more of a case that WWE may have been on the up financially but not necessarily in terms of quality and product and perhaps AEW I mean you know you could argue Perhaps AEW hasn't necessarily been up on quality product. I think it has in certain aspects, but I certainly think there's, you know, nothing's perfect. There's certainly bits to improve on. But is it a case perhaps that perhaps the more enjoyable aspect of what's going to happen in storylines and wrestling as a whole has maybe come from one company over another? There's your deadly silence. Anybody? I was waiting for Joe to kind of pick up. (laughs) Yeah, I think when you look at like WWE, for example, I always used to be really excited at what waking up in the morning and seeing what's happened. And now I've gone through an occasion, especially past couple of weeks, where I read the results of Raw and I see to Joe, do we have to watch it? Can we just give it a miss this week? I can't be bothered. Did last week. This week I've only just watched it. Usually I watch it the same, you know, the next day on the Tuesday. But with AEW as well, it's like the case of I look at this week's results, I'm like, oh, I need to make sure I catch that when they said on Friday on ITV, and, you know, um, last week with the um, the the minute, what is that, minute, hour draw um, between uh, between Daniel Bryan and Hangman, you know, there's certain things you make you want to watch it, you know, everybody was scrambling to make sure they see CM Punk, uh, they're making sure that they see Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson, but then with WWE, they do have those moments where you're like, oh, I need to make sure I see that, um, more for the comedic value, but then both companies have had their kind of way with it. But I think with WWE, in terms of a d- development, we say, yeah, okay, it's on the decline. But then you look at the big stars that they made. They've made people like Bobby Lashley. They made people like Big E. They've got a brand new roster of talent on NXT. Yeah, okay, they had to release about fifty people to bring forward these new people. Um, but all in all, I think both companies have grown some way and a little bit for the worse, but ultimately I think both companies have grown for the better, not just financially, but actually character development. You know, we've had two new world champions, Biggie and um 
Bobby Lashley both winning the WWE title. And if you think how many people have won that belt, under 60 people in a 50, 60 year lifespan of that belt, to have two new champions in one year, actually they've pushed forward new people. And if you look at the people who've challenged for the title as well, you wouldn't have usually expected those people to have title matches as well. So I think all in all, if you actually look at it on paper, WWE has actually grown um, a lot more talent as well. It's just we kind of, with WWE, we pick up more on the negatives more than the positives most of the time. No, I think that's a fair point. Right then, let's jump into it then. So I think we should probably start off with our worst list just so we can finish on a high. We don't want it to be too depressing. Um, so I think if we go around each person just starting off from five to to, to one on, on each round. So why not, Dan, we're with you. Do you want to um, give us any honourable mentions that if you have any as far as what didn't quite make it on your list for the worst moments in wrestling of this year and then give us your number five? Yeah, sure. So um, honourable mentions, my whole. The fact that... <laughs> I forgot about that. No, that, that was literally mine. That that was a tread in the line between best and worst moments. So I was <laughs> what, the number one? The number my one best whole, moment. No, it's treading between both. Like, and the entire podcast just talking about Nia Jax falling out of the ring and sitting on the floor, one? like, and then going, My oh, we, we literally spent an entire podcast one week literally ripping that. was only like episode out. two, I think, as well. That was like <laughs> our second or third week. And then you look at Nia Jax and she's not even in the company anymore. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> oh, but you know, the, the Nia Jax as a whole, no pun intended. Um, she had really good high spots. You know, she was um, tag team champion with um, Shayna Baszler for ages. Then she's going on a singles run. Then she had that awful match with Charlotte Flair with her having like a cat fight in the middle of the ring. And we all thought, oh, it could be a shoot. It could be a work. You know, they're, they're just doing it to develop storylines. And then about a month later, she's fired. So yeah. that was quite surprising. But you look at the ups and downs of Nia Jax. Yeah, it was trending. But it obviously didn't trend that much because she got released near the end so well uh, and they were saying it could have you know she was released uh for many different reasons like she wasn't coming into work or um they just she was fell out of favor but yeah you look at that my hole and it's trending oh, everywhere there's gifts of it you can still find it everywhere now and read it in our opening credits for a couple of weeks as well did any other but, honorable yeah. mentions um, no, I think um, there's a, there's many other things. I'm sure that there's a few other things I could honourably mention that everybody has in their list. But to go straight into my number five, I think I said it to you lads before we started the pod, my number five of the worst of the year has to be Monday Night Raw. The fact that I've gone from wanting to like watch it straight away and watch it during the day and watch it as soon as I can to it's now we're recording this on a Thursday and I've only just caught up with it and I had to fast forward three quarters of it. Um, you know, I just watched a Liv Morgan promo that made me want to put pins through my ears. Um, but I heard that was so heavily. I mean, obviously, we know everything's all heavily scripted, but some people are better at delivering these scripted lines in promos than others. But I haven't seen it, I will admit, so it's difficult for me to judge and comment. She's playing from the face, comments, and she's yeah, she's coming across as more of a heel than Becky Lynch, who's like coming out in a big coat and I've got the money and I've got a private jet. And Liv Morgan's just being smarmy and it's just not being delivered. You look at it on paper, like Joe is telling me before, oh yeah, she went to their personal gym in Iowa and beat her up at home. I see it, oh, you know, you look back at that and that's a must-see moment. But to be honest, that was one of the worst segments on Raw, to be fair. It's just delivered really badly and you look at a lot of monday night raw like what's gonna happen like biggie doing his cash in and superstars getting elevated people winning titles you know bobby lashley winning the title on more as well 
Um, some of them really good, but the majority of Raw, to be fair, compared to SmackDown and even NXT, it's just, it's become, I never thought wrestling would become a chore, but with Monday Night Raw, it almost is becoming a chore. Where with SmackDown, it's not. I, I look forward to, look, you know, watching it. I don't read the results before watching it. NXT as well, um, that's changed for the better. But with Monday Night Raw, it's just continuing to, I don't want to be like, being down on it because we all love wrestling and I'll always watch it, but it's becoming a little bit of a chore to watch Raw. So Raw, unfortunately, has to be in my worst column for my number five. Okay, Joe, do we have any honourable mentions and then your number five? Um, no, I assume it's Dan. My, Michael was going to be on my list, but Dan's already mentioned it. Uh, my number five was splitting up the hitters. I was like, why did they ever do that? That was just a stupid thing to do. I mean, the first is the pandemic, pandemic where they had like no fans. The Hurt Business were just like the best part of the show, you know, Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, MVP, Bobby Lashley, you know, they built up Bobby Lashley really well. And they're just out of nowhere. They just split up just for no reason. And then, and then they all become Bobbers chasing after the 12-7 title. And now they're back together again. And then... Again, for a couple of weeks now, we haven't seen them. What are they doing now? Probably chasing the 24 set title again. I'm like, what's the point? They were badass, can I say? Both really yeah, because they wrestlers. did put them back together, didn't they, about a month ago, and they just seem to be jobbing out. Yeah, they do it again now. It's so frustrating. Fantastic. Right, Jamie, do we have any honourable mentions from yourself before we get your fifth worst moment in wrestling? Yeah. Um, like I said, my hole was going to be like a tread in the line between Monday Night Raw. I know, like you said, it's quite, kind of an awful thing. I'm surprised it was in um, people's worst list. It should be in the best. <laughs> I mean, oh, oh, clearly you haven't watched wrestling. <laughs> but, um, I'll go for my only AEW, my worst list. And Is this your honourable mention anymore. or just number five? No, it's my, this is my number five. Okay. And... I'll take you back to March 2021. And it was the exploding death match. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With, the With Eddie Kingston uh, jumping on top of him, pretending he's dead. That was the worst <laughs> moment in AEW. Um, so, yeah, that was my number five. Everything else in WWE was worse than that. I forgot about that as well. Oh my god, I remember us all going back. This, this is a good. This is a good that. thing to have in these conversations. You're going to forget. Oh yeah, yeah. what about that? Yeah. So this is stuff that I thought of in my head, like looking back. However, we have these conversations. You'd be like, oh no, wait, that deserves the list. Yeah, so maybe 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 take Raw off and put that exploding death match. On. I don't know. But Raw <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um... <laughs> So I've got I've actually got four honourable mentions that I couldn't fit into my list. Jesus. So I'll quickly go through them. Um, a weird one because some people will be like, "Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing," but I think it is. I have dark and elevation on my honourable list as worst, not for the stars that are on there because I understand its concept. The fact that we've got twelve, thirteen matches in a, an hour show and you're giving people. 30 seconds to a minute of ring time. It's just ridiculous. You can't develop stars physically or as, as a performer in that time. Um, so I think, you know, if they if they cut that in half as far as a number of matches and had six matches instead of bloody 12, then I think it fits its purpose. 
But uh, yeah, no, that that makes it on my worst list. Uh, honorable mentions worst list. Demon uh, Demon Balor having a fit next to the <laughs> ring. That's an honorable mention of the worst things in wrestling. I'm sorry, but that was just some people thought it was great. I understand why they were doing it, but to me, it was just comical. It was terrible, and maybe you could even have that storyline as a worst moment in wrestling. Perhaps they should never have put the demon version of Finn Balor in that position to lose to Roman Reigns and effectively get the undefeated streak of mm-hmm. demon gone in, in, in something that then quickly just fizzled away straight away and Roman Reigns was on to the next person. Um, I've got Tommy Dreamer's controversy on there as well in respect of the dark side of the ring and his yeah. comments on Ric Flair. He did himself no favours. Arguably, arguably, it's probably harmed his career as much as Ric Flair as far as being blacklisted. You know, he lost his job in Impact. Nobody really wants to touch him. I know Ric Flair's kind of come back up a bit as far as, um, you know, getting his podcast back on and going and things like that. But Tommy Dreamer, unfortunately, is kind of... I say unfortunately, I mean, he deserves him with his comments. You know what I mean? Um, and then my last honourable mention as far as worst things was Becky Lynch's return, just the way that they handled it. <laughs> you know, we're coming back at SummerSlam, beating, was it Bianca Belair, who was red hot at the time, and then just in a weird kind of like tweener, is she a face, is she a heel? No, she's a heel, but then why are you presenting her in this way? And I just thought that was handled terribly. For something that was so anticipated to the way they did it. Yeah, not great. Um, I'll quickly, quickly, briefly go over my number five worst moment in wrestling because it's already been mentioned and it was the same as Jamie's, the Judd explosion <laughs> in the barbed wire death match between Omega and Moxley. Yeah, what hasn't already been said. Such a such a build to a, a new type of match for that promotion. Um, and, and a decent match, if you like that type of thing. You know, it was never going to be a technical masterclass, and it's, it's a gimmick. We, we know that. But, you know, what what was worse, the the fact that the explosion didn't go off or the wrestlers and commentators' reactions as if it did go off in the way that it should have done? <laughs> um, terrible. And, and again, like Tony Carner said, that's not going to be the last match. They are going to do another one eventually, and, you know, Fingers crossed it goes well next time, but they, they need they need it to go well next time. Imagine if it fails twice in a row. They'll be using a different company, I can tell you that much. Um, but yes, number five for me, same as Jamie, the good explosion. What have you got on your number four, Dan? Worst moments. Zombie lumberjacks. I, for- I forgot. How did no, you get out of zombies? No, I forgot. Is that number two or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's completely it is up there. <laughs> it is. No, I, I agree. There is me quickly changing my list now. Uh, no, go on. Yeah, go on, Dan. You were saying. You know, we, we were looking at the... Um, I can't remember what pay-per-view it was on. Uh, it was on one of the earlier ones after WrestleMania. Was, and they was had... it like Extreme Rules? And yes, it was Extreme Rules. What, with, with Extreme Rules? Extreme Rules. Oh, no, was it Backlash? Well, where, I think it was back, WrestleMania uh, Backlash. Wrong. That should be worst on the list. Changing Backlash to WrestleMania Backlash. Bad Bunny, put him on there. <laughs> with an honourable mention, I forgot, actually, saying, I forgot about having, Bad Bunny as well. <laughs> and you had, well, Bad Bunny was, was surprising. He's on the good moments, don't you? You've got an, uh, you know, a, a mention on there, having an Extreme Rules pay-per-view with no Extreme Rules matches. Um, oh. But you look at that zombie thing, it happened on the night because Batista had a film that was out on Netflix. So they're like, oh yeah, well, uh, 
apparently they make loads of money over that. But the fact that they had, well, they had Scotty Duharty. He was one of them. And Von Wagner was one of them. You look back at it and you can recognise the zombies as some of the new NXT stars that are coming up now. But that match in general, like, it's gone from, yeah, I know it's wrestling, it's sports entertainment, but are you really trying to test our patience? And I remember at the time, we were all just absolutely crapping on it. Like, what are you doing? And still looking back at it, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, you've done it, but never do that again. Perhaps Zombie the Miz and he mind. turns up next week in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what have you got for us at number four, Joe, in your worst wrestling moments? I had zombies as well because I thought it was awful, so I'm not talking down. <laughs> but it was all my number four involving zombies, just how bad it was. So, yeah, exactly the same. I think it's just sometimes these cross promotion, crossover promotion things work when you're, you know, you're trying to advertise a product or a brand. And, but I would say, whilst it's not, I, you know, for once of trying to think of a better example. Do you remember the Cracker Barrel Street fight that AEW had maybe in 2020? Yeah. It might have been. Was it Darby Allen and I can't think who it was now. But, you know, the, the fact they were called, basically yeah. calling it the Cracker Barrel Street fight, but they were using the Cracker Barrel brands, but actually using the barrels as well. Like, to me, that's a, that's a, it's a little bit cheesy, but it's a clever way of doing it without it really dumbing down the product too much. But when you're going as far as extreme as, like you say, the, the Batista Day of the was it Day of the Dead? I don't know. Can't remember one of them. Army, Army of the Dead or something. Army, Army of the, the Dead, dead on Netflix. Yeah. The Zack um, Snyder film. Yes, not a Romero film. He's dead. Um, but when you're trying to do a, a cross promotion of that, and sure, surely they know it can only go one way. It ain't bringing any any ratings or reviews up. It's only going down. Surely, but they will do it. But who who are we to criticize? They probably made millions off that, hence the reason the finances are up. So yep. anyway, it's on two people's number four. So there we go. Jamie. It's higher on mine, don't worry. Um <laughs> this one was already mentioned, but it was your honorable mention. I don't know if anyone else feels the same way, or it might be high on theirs, but it's the Becky Lynch squash. 17 seconds against Bianca Belair is ridiculous. Just one choke slam, it's over. After building Bianca Belair to win the rumble at WrestleMania, everything, and then Becky Lynch coming in. Doing her over and I don't even say it's 17 seconds. It might have even been quicker than 26. that. There you go. Ridiculous. So Dan's definitely got it on his list. He's researched it. <laughs> but um, but um, yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. I remember in the bar just watching it because I had that SummerSlam party. SummerSlam was okay. It was a good event. I thought SummerSlam was but a that, decent that, event overall. Yeah, yeah. That, that was one of the, that moment, the better moments. Yeah, but that moment was just ridiculous. Um, and yeah. Well, it came about out of nowhere, didn't it? Because Sasha Banks was supposed to face Bianca Belair, but because she wasn't jabbed and they had to go to Las Vegas, they had to think of something on the fly. So, but then if you think about it, the rise of it since then, it's been good that we've got Becky Lynch back. But yeah, doing it that way, you could have done a five, ten minute match, but also you don't know what sort of ring shape she was going to be in. But at the time, yeah, we were all going, right, why are you burying this star that's won the Royal Rumble, that's headline WrestleMania, and then all of a sudden she's losing in 26 seconds to a rock bottom. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, go. Go, yeah. Um, so my number four, um, you guys may very well have it on your list and it may very well be higher, but I think there are three worse things than 50 people losing their jobs this year. Um, and it was the mass releases. Um, so that makes number four on my list. I, I think just the I think we're all 
everybody's still struggling to explain the reasons behind it. Like sometimes when there's a release of maybe four or five pool of wrestlers that, that just happens for the first time in maybe a year or two, it's disappointing. Somebody's losing their job. Nobody sees it now. But you can kind of see why. They've either stirred up a bit of controversy or they just don't have anything for them and they haven't been seen on TV for six or 12 months. But when you are releasing main eventers, people that are selling you know, merchandise by the bookies full, people that were only on TV two days before you've released them, people that are up and coming like you were giving opportunities to and saying, like, you're going to be on the main roster soon, let's have you on main event this week and next week and things like that, and then going, oh, no, now you're gone. People like, we're giving you a gimmick change, carrying cross Keithley. Okay, it hasn't worked out so far, but we've got this for you. When they don't even try it, when they don't even give something a chance, when they say, we're going to give you a chance, we're going to change up your gimmick, oh, no, actually, we're just going to release you. And this is all for a company that, you know, before they made these releases, have reported record after record after record profits. You know, imagine if, you know, I, I know, some of us here working for the same company, we won't mention it, but somebody else works for elsewhere. But imagine the companies that we work for, if they said, we're getting rid of you all on the back of record profit, what is it? It's just, the juxtaposition of that is ridiculous. So I just think that everybody's still kind of looking at it and going, okay, there may be, I can kind of see why they've released this person because we haven't seen them so long. But then for that one person, which we can understand why they've unfortunately been future endeavoured, there's 20 or 30 people here that have gone. Let me go, what are they playing at? Um, so, oh, someone's died. So, very, very disappointing and quite disgusting as well in the way that they've been treated. And, you know, we, we've covered each person individually from development to NXT to main roster stars that have gone. So, we won't go over anybody specifically. But, yeah, the mass releases for me definitely make it onto the list. However, it only makes my number four right let's go to number three then daniel your third worst number three the third worst moment in wrestling this year for you yeah my number three and i'm never going to go back and watch it ever again and even having to rethink <laughs> about it is um horrible to do and that's sasha banks on the broken skull sessions oh i've not watched it <laughs> still haven't watched it i haven't watched I, it's the worst thing. It's like you, like you look at the DDP one that we watched this week, and I said it's one of the best things I've watched this week. Really heartfelt. They had a good chat. You know, they, they had um, the Godfather ones this year, Jericho ones this year that's in my top couple. And then you look at the Sasha Banks one where she's literally acting or trying to act for about an hour, hour and a half. She's doing a little fake laughs and she's pulling faces at the screen and she's just making a mockery of the whole thing. Like, I get that you're trying to be, you, you don't, you're learning the difference between the character and real life and what to be in, in each instance, but it just was so fake and I hated watching it. And again, it was one of these things that it took me three or four attempts to watch. And if you said, Dan, could you go back and write notes on it and rewatch it? I'd refuse to because it was one of the worst things I've watched all year. <laughs> I, I absolutely hated it. It doesn't make sense though, because she hasn't even been in the business for like 10 years. Yeah, it's it very no strange sense. that they would have somebody on to talk about their career when she well, she certainly has a career more than some people but like like you say not into the caliber or the experience I'm trying to think, like debut wise to... nxt you look at probably 2013 2014 when nxt was at its peak or when it started becoming big and that's when she's obviously started and she probably had some F fcw beforehand so look what 2013 2014 she was on this year that seven year career 
I think Bailey's had one, hasn't she? And that's the, she's only been the same amount though, hasn't she? But it sounds as if hers was quite tolerable. Bailey was yeah, right. a massive she can, wrestling fan, though, isn't she? And she can just talk to people normally. Where you got Sasha Banks, where she was acting. They went through the whole how you came up in the Indies, how you started NXT, your cousin Snoop Dogg, theme music, Bandalorian, headline of WrestleMania. So it had a good flow through it. Like me describing it like that, you think, oh, actually, that sounds like something I want to go back and have a listen to. But honestly, it's one of the worst things that I've watched. Worst things that I've <laughs> listened to. Absolutely dreadful. I wouldn't recommend anyone to watch that. I'm and it, going I, I will continue to turn out. Yeah, and then tomorrow I'm and then the next day because you won't be able to blitz your way through it in one go. Okay. I'm not watching it tonight. Believe me, tonight's I'm watching <laughs> Jingle All the Way. Oh, with Balthazar. my turbo man. Balthazar. Whilst Jamie has to wait for his whilst it's nestled safely under his tree. Exactly. <laughs> Joe, well, what's but... your number three? Um, I'm gonna use two for the price of one, so it's. Carry Cross, Carry Cross slash Keith Lee. So that the Carry Cross got like called up, they basically dressed him as like a gimp and kept <laughs> changing his gimmick and just did anything with him. And same thing with Keith Lee. Like Keith Lee's an absolute monster. He he's a really good wrestler, and he just did nothing with him. Like two very talented wrestlers could go in the ring, can both cut a good promo. And they just did nothing with him. It was such a waste. So frustrating to watch. So frustrating to see. And and they both got released as well. But yeah, just the way that they were handled and like their character and everything. I think we, we've said before when we spoke specifically about Karrion Cross, the nail in the coffin was losing week one to Jeff Hardy, bringing up an NXT champion. Was he still NXT champion at the time as well, I want to say? He was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you just, you know, there's no... There's no um, Bad thing as far as losing Jeff Hardy normally, a star of the last 20, 25 years. Um, but when you're in a position that you're supposed to be as far as being called up to the main roster and, uh, you know, a full champion, yeah, he, he was due from the start, unfortunately. And, uh, yes, Keith Lee, what more can you say about the Bearcats? <laughs> Jamie, you're number three. Very similar to what Joe was saying and what you were talking about earlier. You talked about the releases. My main one's Bray Wyatt. Like, I think that's the biggest shock of all of them. Like, they didn't let him in, that's the problem. <laughs> exactly. So, I think somebody who was massive at the time, who was selling merchandise, had a great relationship with Alexa Bliss. That was some weird stuff going on TV at the time. The evil is mine, as Dan was probably going to jump in and say, <laughs> um, yeah. And then just to get randomly released, I know he probably needed it. I think there was some mental health issues or something going on. But, yeah, I think that was the biggest shock of the year. Maybe Alexa Bliss should have been an honourable mention for me for worst as far as towards the no, end. Anyway. It was mine. Or she got injured. What about terrible. Lily? Terrible. Oh, Absolute terrible. Yeah. And why Charlotte turning up with Lily. The Charlotte. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Dan's face. Well, I've plucked it all out. <laughs> you brought back flashbacks. My um, my number three is something that effectively started in 2020, but didn't finish until 2021. Um, my third it. most. What do you think I'm going to say? They have no choice. I was going to say, I was thinking about this before. Yes, it is. Because of COVID, there is no doubt. The Thunderdome. It's the Thunderdome. (laughs) Now, I I appreciate it. 
they they had no choice. Um, but they did because their other choice was to do what they were doing before, they, where they were wrestling in front of nobody or just their own talent. Maybe like AEW. Like my argument is AEW did it, AEW better. Did it better. The yeah. crowd was your trainees, your up and coming talent, your talent that will be on dark elevation, or even just your lower card talent that weren't wrestling that week, for example. It was still a bit of atmosphere. It was still people around the ring. I just, I, I don't know. It's just there's something about something not being natural. And whilst it was nice to see, but I like the idea of the Thunderdome and I like what they did as far as the pyrotechnics, the lighting, that type of thing. But then when you've got LED boards that sometimes looked decent, sometimes didn't look like they were still from the 90s, you've got pumped in fake crowd noises. To mm-hmm. me, you should have just had it, you know, without. And, and I think that the one thing for me which summed it up fully and again, not necessarily the fault of the WWE because of the position that they were in. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe it should be Thunderdome slash COVID as far as COVID being the worst thing in wrestling. Mm-hmm. But it was more to do with the Hall of Fame. You've got a 2020 class that was cancelled the year before that had to take place the day before the 2021 class. You're inducting about 20 wrestlers over the space of two days and you're inducting them in front of nobody with fake crowd noises and fake chanting. It was so artificial. You know, it was it was terrible to me. They should have cancelled the Hall of Fame until there was there was fans. Christ, if you want to induct three classes all at once, induct three classes all at once. Um, it, no, it was terrible, and I, I feel sorry for people like well, all of them, but especially like Kane, for example. He deserves so much better. He deserved a crowd of 20, 20,000 people inducting him into the Hall of Fame. You know, people. Um, I can't think specifically off the top of my head any particular. Matches of people winning world titles, it will have happened. Um, for example, Drew McIntyre, (laughs) no, yeah, but but the Thunderdome is general, you know, having to perform in front of nobody, getting no reaction as far as a real one. Yeah, this is the biggest moment of your career, potentially. Um, you know, there may be more to come, but yes, whilst whilst forced upon them to an extent, wasn't something they had to do. Good idea. Potential to work, didn't poorly executed. Poorly executed. <laughs> the Thunderdome and the name as well, maybe. I mean, Thunderdome. Christ. I went in a few Thunderdomes. You did, and it was terrible, terrible. <laughs> there His producers terrible, there going, "Okay, let's give it up for Drew McIntyre, everyone. Yeah, let's hear you. It's Drew McIntyre. Let me see you. Woo. <laughs> That's what it was like." <laughs> oh right, Dan. We're getting to number two. Your second worst moment in wrestling of the year. Yeah, so my number two uh, mirrors what you said. I think it was your number four or your number three was the mass releases. Um, you know, was it seventy-seven, seventy-eight people that were released? Right, in, so I thought in it whole... was about fifty. Probably was about seventy. Yeah. That's yeah. even worse. But there's a few of them that asked for their releases and they wanted their releases. So you have got the Lucha House Party, the people who wanted to be let go, um, and they've gone on. Uh, to do bigger and better things like Andrade wanted to be released but then you've got other people like with Bray Wyatt um, you don't know what happened it's still not fully explained and we're still waiting to see what's happening with him but you've got other people who uh, some of the most talented people to wrestle like one of the best performers like Keegan Knox and is released for no reason Um, you look at some people and you know it's heartbreaking for them because they're really good competitors and they could have done so many good things and they're being released for no reason you know, you look at people like um, 
Karen Cross and Keith Lee, and yeah, they try multiple things to do different. And apparently, they had attitudes backstage and fair play. But there's other people like Tegan Knox, one of the nicest people you can tell on camera. She's one of the nicest people, and she's a really good performer. And then all of a sudden, oh yeah, you just released for no reason. You called up, and then you released. Um, and same with Hit Row as well. Like I know that they were <laughs> they were doing so much. You know, they were on uh, Corey Gray's podcast one week, and then the next week, all being released within the space of a couple of weeks. Some of them make no sense. Others, you know, I'm happy for them because that's what they wanted. You've got people like um, Slapjack, he's gone into acting. And um, you've got Karen Cross, he's gone into acting. They've all gone off and done other things. And there's some people showing up at other companies now. But you look at others and you're thinking, what a waste of an opportunity. I, I go back a couple of years to someone like Diana Perrazzo when she yeah. was released. To be nothing with her. She's been squashed every single week on Raw. And now you look at someone like Diana Perrazzo, who actually should get an honourable mention for 2021, because all in all, she's probably been, next to Britt Baker, one of the best female wrestlers in multi-companies, NWA, AAA, um, TNA. She's been in so many different companies, won multiple women's titles, women's tag titles. You know, you look at what she's gone on and done now, and you think, why, WWE, why did you ever get rid of someone like Diana Perrazzo? And she was released two years ago before the pandemic. And I, I guarantee someone like a Tegan Knox will be saying that in like a year's time. Nixon Newell, when she turns up in AEW, turns up in a AAA, she turns up in New Japan. People will be going, why the hell did they release her? She's such a great talent. Um, so there's some of them that make no sense whatsoever. But yeah, my ma- the mass releases, they've got to be on the list and they are at number two. I've got something very important for number one, but they come in at number two. Fair enough. Joe, what have you got? My number two is the women's king of the ring. Because if it's your like what, 20 minutes for the entire The Queen's Crown, is that what it was called? The Queen's Crown, yeah, they literally got like two minutes per match and there's some matches on there that I thought were going to be absolute class, like Shayna Baszler versus Natalia I was really looking forward to the Queen's Crown because back in the day, like in old school it's like the King of the Ring used to be one of my favourite pay-per-views, I was like, when I found the new came back, I was like, oh my god, the King of the Ring's back, and it's me Queen of the Ring I was really excited and then, and then they just basically gave him like like one or two minutes. Like, I think we discussed it the other week. Like, there was one match that was longer than the entire Queen Queen's Crown tournament, and it's it's just ridiculous. It's like so disrespectful to women. So you know, they you know they had the women's revolution. They had the four horsemen. You had the entire women's evolution pay per view, and then it's just like there and afterthought. It's it's. It's just like not on, I don't think. And yeah, it's really annoyed me that they just given them the time. Okay, I think no, I, I I think that's fair for to have a women's revolution that we did a few years ago and say, look at what we're doing well to where they're at now. And maybe we could even throw something like that to AEW as well, as far as their women's division. It's never been to yes, we've got Britt Baker and you know a couple of others, but it's never been as strong. It's never performed as well. And, you know, hopefully they're going to be on the up as well. And specifically as well, you know. New TV But, yes, and I think that's something that they're attempting to do. But as far as the the depth of the women's division, it's not strong. You know, I think we can all agree to that. The actual depth of it isn't, isn't strong. And look at the fact that we've got one minute, one and a half minute, two-minute matches on Dark and Elevation of women's matches. All the women's matches seem to be that on Dark and Elevation. We can slag off WWE as much as we want, but 
AEW doing similar things as well in respect of that. But anyhow, what have we got for number two, Jamie? Holy freaking fuck, zombies. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't need to say anything else about it. It's ridiculous. It should never have happened. And like I said, just then in the ring and then panning on them, eating the Miz and he's going, oh, getting eaten by zombies. Then he turns up in a wheelchair. <laughs> Pretty sure you need more than that, mate. But never mind. Ridiculous. <laughs> second worst moment of the year. There is one that's still higher than it. Okay. <laughs> well, my second worst moment of the year is it's 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 three things into one. <laughs> it is the rock slash egg slash survivor series twenty twenty one. That is the second worst moment in wrestling for me. I think Whilst I thought it was a very, very slim chance, I thought it was more of a slim chance than some people. And I'm sure there's a couple of people on this pod that thought that Rock was going to appear on Survivor Series, but we won't go into that. I thought there was still a chance, very slim. But when when something's drip-fed to you like that, you still think it could still happen. And the build and the build and the build and the build. And then to have this, I mean, number one, this egg, I'm sorry, but this kin egg, <laughs> just absolutely ridiculous. Who stole the egg? The egg that's worth however many million dollars it was. Uh, I'm sorry, that's terrible. Vince was terrible in delivering his lines, delivering his promos, just being on screen. He looks old now, and I don't like seeing an old Vince McMahon. I like to think of Vince being battered by Stone Cold in the uh, late 90s. I don't like seeing Vince now. Um, The cross-promotion, again, it was just there for The Rock's Netflix movie. This is supposed to be, you know, people were thinking this is going to be something to build towards Roman and The Rock at WrestleMania. And it wasn't. It was only for this movie that I've heard I've heard has made a lot of money, but I've heard it's not necessarily good. And it's on Netflix. No, and I won't watch it. It's a Christmas movie. No, it's not. But um yeah, I, I'm. I'm sorry, but and then for oh, someone stole the egg. Who is it? It's Austin Theory. Okay, you can kind of see at least they're doing. If you want to look at a positive from it, they're at least building a young star. But there are better ways of building a young star than that. I tell you what, something very, very, very bad could have happened here for Austin Theory's career. That really could have gone one way. And I'm surprised it didn't. People really really did it backfired this egg and rock and survivor series storyline but it backfired on the wwe storyline and telling and really the rock in a sense than it did austin theory because people really could have gone yes we know austin theory is supposed to be a heel so we're not supposed to like him anyway but people could have really rejected him and then his push is done before it's even gone and he's the next one on the release list i'm really surprised it hasn't affected him in that way and and i'm glad in a way as well because i think you know I, I haven't seen much of him, but he's got a lot of potential. But I'm going to say, guys, fucking hell. The, 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 the Survivor Series sure and Eggs. I do on this episode. Uh, I do every week anyway. <laughs> an Christ almighty. That was absolute. <laughs> as far as overall storyline of the year, if you can cement it into a two and a half, three hour show, that was the second worst thing in wrestling. That was worse than people losing their jobs because. It insults our intelligence as wrestling fans. Um, I'm not a child. Children watch the show. And even the children thought it was terrible. But that's my number two. Right, let's get on to number one. 
Our worst moment in wrestling this year. Go for it, Daniel. Egg. Oh, okay. <laughs> Egg. You know, yeah, you, you pretty much, uh, you know, topped it. Like, we had um, Survivor Series, and then all of a sudden, Egg, yeah, Vince Man's backstage, got an egg. And then they go, yeah, everyone's going to be backstage on Raw because my egg's gone missing. And they're running around pretending it's the 24-7 title. And then he ends up getting a title match and losing anyway. It's just dreadful. Um it's yeah, it's probably one of the worst things that has happened. It's my number one, to be fair. You pretty much explained it to a T. But yeah, egg is my number one. Egg. Is it gonna be Joe's number one? My number one was gonna be the releases, but we've discussed that. So I've changed it and put something else. Oh, okay. I put Hello. I put gimmick I put gimmick pay per views. So extreme rules where there was one extreme rules match, so it was just no rules. Helen the Cell pay per view. There was there's meant to be like two Helen the pay per views. I said Helen the Cell is meant to be like the ultimate like blow off match. You're meant to have a Helen the Cell like when you can't sell it like Ben Edge and Seth Rollins have. Like that was a good Helen the Cell match. But it's like Helen the Cell pay per view. You're like well you just have a Helen the Cell because pay per view is called Helen the Cell. Yeah, I'm just fed up with like gimmick pay per views. Like many like make sense. Many like you get an opportunity at the world title. Like and like TLC this year they've got rid of that. Like Glimmerish Chamber this year they've got rid of that. Like well, they've heard your just... cries. They have Joe. They've got rid of TLC and brought in Day One, which actually yeah, it just... doesn't look like it's yeah. going to be too bad. The matches to be fair to them. Yeah, it yeah, was the moment of the year. I'm just a bit fed up with the pay-per-views. Like I like Helen the Cell, but when I said like as a big blow-off match, like the one with like Edge and Seth Rollins, that was really good. Like and Extreme Rules, yeah, okay, that's a good stipulation. But when you have an entire pay-per-view, that's Extreme Rules. Like, what's this Extreme Rules going to be? I'll just be a, um, it's going to be kind of stick on a poor match. So, yeah, I'm just fed up with it now. <laughs> No, I think that's fair. Jamie, what's your number one worst moment of the year? We've talked a lot about letting go and obviously people being released, but my worst moment of the year is actually Kevin Owens re-signing with WWE. <laughs> it's true. No, I joking. knew it would happen. I knew it would happen. <laughs> uh, it's the egg. That fucking egg. The egg. We knew it maybe it because true. it's just so fresh in our minds, but literally it's the worst thing that has happened in WWE since the gobbledly gooker. If the gooker came out of it, it would have made it all alright. That would have at least been funny, exactly. and I've given you that. That would have been on the best moments. Yeah, exactly, but no, ridiculous. Kevin Owens is a mention, though. I'll give him an honourable mention. That's fair enough. My um, my number one worst moment in wrestling is very WWE-centric, this list, isn't it, unfortunately? Um, my number one moment, it has already been mentioned. Somebody had it at number five. But my number one is just raw. It's just been <laughs> terrible. I don't think, other than I'm trying to think now, other than the Raw after WrestleMania, which was still poor, I don't think I've watched an episode of Raw in 2021 from beginning to end. I've certainly not watched one live. If I've watched any, I've watched it day after, a couple of days after, and I've maybe just watched bits and skipped through bits. I think I watched the Raw after Mania all the way through. But that was the only one. Whilst I agree with you, Dan, there have been some decent moments as far as with Big E and things like that. So we have to point that out. Just generally the storytelling and the 
the booking of matches and who's in the matches and the reasons for it. It's just been like the only way to think of it is dross. There's just been dross. And this week, and maybe it was last week or the, or the week before, and I just remember missing you, you guys and just going, roll up. <laughs> Most weeks are roll up terrible <laughs> this week, but it just looked and sounded absolute terrible. And it has been. And I agree with you, Dan. Smackdown. Um, you know, at least it's fresh. This is this is some wrestling on SmackDown and a bit of storytelling, um, and the draft. I mean, the draft could also be an honourable mention as far as the worst things this year as well, because some of the people that went over to Raw that didn't need to and SmackDown vice versa. And I don't necessarily think the draft has made Raw any better, um, because we're just seeing the same things. And yeah, Raw. Raw is my number one worst thing that has happened in wrestling this year right bit of positivity then let's get on to the best the top five best moments in wrestling this year daniel do you have any honorable mentions and what's your fifth best moment in wrestling of 2021 yes yeah, so i'm sure um there'll be a few on your honorable mentions pop up here and now can't think of any off the top of my head but my number five would have to be nxt being rebranded so we're like Ooh. really upset that loads of NXT stars are being released and loads of 205 stars are being released. But midway through the year, NXT was so boring. Nobody wanted to watch it. It was the same stuff over and over and over again. Um, the same matches, the same takeovers. It was dark. It was dingy. They had metal railings and it just was a bit boring. But now it's colourful. They've got loads of new stars. You've got Tony D'Angelo. You've got Grayson Waller. You've got Bram Breaker. You've got loads of new stars coming through, uh, loads of new tag teams, loads of new women's stars. They've now got a brand new roster, and it's got to an event where the Raw after WrestleMania, we were used to seeing debuts, and we had none this year. And we're all going, right, hang on a minute, what? That's what they usually do. But now I'm looking at the Raw after WrestleMania in 2022. I can see people like Tony D'Angelo being called up, Bron Breaker being called up, um, the Creed Brothers being called up. Um, you know, there's loads of different people that they could call up uh, that they're building. It's actually becoming a factory again for new stars to show what they can do and then be brought through. And Vince McMahon actually is seeing them now instead of them doing dark matches and getting released. So actually NXT being rebranded, I enjoy NXT a hell of a lot more and it's nice to see new faces on there. It's a shame that a lot of the old faces have gone, but it's great that we're seeing all of these new talent come through, which is which is a positive, I'd say. It's interesting that you have it on your best list because, you know, when you read forums out there, you listen to other podcasts, a lot of people would have it on their worst things. A lot of people aren't happy with NXT 2.0. Um, some people don't like change. Some people just don't like the direction it's going in. But I agree I agree with you in respect of new talent. That's what we need. You know, nobody nobody can wrestle forever. We need young blood. Um, not the singer, he's terrible. We need young blood. And, um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that's a, a decent positive. Well done, Daniel. Well done. Joe, any honourable mentions before your fifth? Uh, Stan, like I'll, I'll probably think of ones as we'd like to consider, but nothing I can think of. Uh, my fifth, um, number five, is Edge versus Seth Rollins, your entire feud. Um, it's just been like, one of the best things on Raw. Like, as Dad said, Raw's been terrible, but this this might be one of the best things on it. Like, Edge and Seth Rollins, like, this very tiny way, like, Sprawlers like broke into Edge's house, like the matches, like the matches, like on all pay per views, like the head and star match. It's just, it's just great. It was like one of the best things of the year. So I had to put on the list. I think that's fair. Jay Crawford. 
I'm going for my number Do you have any honourable mentions, James? Yeah, that's what I'm about to say. Well, do you have any honourable mentions? Yes, I'm going for my number five and my number mentions as kind of more of a standout performer of the year. Uh, Liv Morgan got a push. She's an honourable mention. And Sami Zayn's been great all year as well. Uh, But number five is the best thing in wrestling right now, and that's MJF. Everything he's done all year has been amazing. Anything he does, I want to watch. I love him. He is literally best. And he's had some great moments. I mean, if you want to... Possibly if you want to talk about the, the blood and guts match, maybe being a lowest point with that bloody cardboard box at the bottom. But <laughs> but um, yeah, everything MJF has done this year is my number five. Yeah, fair enough. My honourable mentions are, um, it was mentioned earlier on, Chris Jericho's Broken School Session, because that was just a shock. And you're like, wow, okay. And it was a decent, uh, decent episode as well. Um, I've got SummerSlam as an honourable mention just because it was probably the best pay-per-view of the year. It was actually decent and some decent matches, decent performances and, you know, a couple of surprises. Um, even though one of the things was on the worst, it was still a surprise. The event as a whole was very good. Um, I've got AEW's pay-per-views just throughout the year have been highly consistent throughout and I think whilst um, the weekly television show has been decent as well, um, their pay-per-views over all the four events that we've had this year have just been very, very good. I've watched them all. Um, and John Cena's return in general, I've got as an honourable mention. I never thought I'd say that, but uh, I think we're all happy to see Cena. And more, more just to see, you know, what will happen between Reigns and Cena. And, you know, he got a massive pop, biggest pop that he's had since he was, you know, a proper the Royal face Rumble return, probably. Um, so yeah, they're my honourable mentions. Um, my fifth best moment of the year is from NXT UK, and it was the match between Volta and the Dragunov. Um, a five-star match, a Meltzer five-star match. One of the most physical matches we've seen in a long time clinical in the ring, very, very well mapped out without it looking too choreographed as well. Um, I'm, I'm just, obviously I'm talking about their first match here. Um, and just, it almost helped better that there wasn't any fans there. I'd like to think you would still have got, you. the match would have still been fantastic with fans, but without the fans there, you got the intensity. You know, just seeing the, the facials and the noises, the noises of the slaps, the noises of the moves, the noises of the grunts from each other and things like that just made it seem more real. It seemed more of a fight um, because of the environment that they were in. Um, oh, best match I've seen for a long time. That's my fifth best moment of the year. Dan, number four. Yes, so my number four, I'm sure it'll be higher in a lot of other people's lists, but um, having Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson and CM Punk uh, both come over to um, AEW and help elevate the brand. So you had CM Punk doing his promos, and then you had Daniel Bryan turning up, and also um, Cole turning up as well. You know, with that pay per view, I've never wanted to go. Oh, I need to make sure I don't miss that show. And then the next day, I had to put it on. I had to watch it all the way through. I didn't fast forward any of it. I had to go out of my way to watch it. And I think a lot of wrestling fans went out of their way to find a way to watch that show because they knew that there was loads of explosions. And what was going on and you've gone from the ratings for AEW going from getting 700 800 
1,000 um, viewers uh, episodes, and they're now in the 1.3s, 1.4s. So that alone has sort of elevated them to the next echelon. And I'd say that is down to people like Brian Danielson and people like CM Punk. They put their star name power on that brand. And it's made that, you know, those two coming back has made us want to watch it even more than we already did and already wanted to. It's like very, very difficult to argue with that. Joe, your fourth best moment of the year. Exactly to see the Dan CM Punk coming back, like the the amount of noise in the Chicago Hall, like the the chanting, like the roof absolutely blew off. Of so then, obviously, you know, um, Brian Danielson came back, and then Adam Cole came back. But I'm talking specifically about CM Punk. You know, with all free, you know the free ice cream bars. You know, that that promo was like I would say was rival the pipe bomb promo. It was that good. So like literally, like. The next day, like I think I said on the podcast, people who I know who used to like the wrestling back in the nineties and who are kind of like casual fans who just like watch WrestleMania is like my good friend Dean and like people over all Facebook who I know know who used to like wrestling but kind of don't watch it anymore. We're all messaging me like, Have you watched AEW? Have you watched it? like my phone just lit up because everyone knows I'm like the wrestling fan. Like have you watched AEW? Have you and do you know what happened in AEW? Like Literally, that's all like for a week anyone could talk about. So I think it's like the best AEW ever did. Yeah, okay, you need to build your own stars like Darby Allen and MGF, but a name like CM Punk, like whatever they're paying him, they literally back in one night. Like I can't believe I couldn't believe that I really couldn't. Brilliant, Jamie. Your fourth best moment of the year. Yes, and this is a return. And it was the one that probably took everybody by surprise that no, no we didn't ever no, ever happen. And that was Christine at the Royal Rumble. Fair play. See, you didn't know where I was going with that one. Fair, fair play. <laughs> fair that play. moment where they hugged in the ring. He closed his eyes, he did. It was a great moment, and obviously you saw how great Christine was, and obviously he didn't sign with WWE, he went on and signed with AEW and he's gone on to obviously have some feuds in there with Kenny Omega, became Impact Champion and returned to Impact. And But yeah, that Royal Rumble moment was so great. When, when he came out, everyone was like, what the hell? Like, nobody expected it to happen. I just and it was, just, it was a sure beautiful moment. Predictions. It was a beautiful moment between him and Edge in the ring as well. Lovely. No, I, I agree. And to be fair, it's not one I thought of even putting on my honourable mentions, but maybe it should be on there. Because it's January, um, everyone forgets. Well, yes, very true. Um, okay, my fourth best moment of the year is kind of like a double whammy, kind of crossing it over, is Big E and Roman Reigns, just in general, both world champions. Big E for the fact that he, you know, got his moment and he's still, can you believe it, actually being still book strong? I mean, Christ, it's been a long time since they've done that. Um, so, you know, well-deserved, long time overdue for some people. To me, probably at the right time. Um, but, um, you know, either way, well-deserved and still looking strong. And, you know, Reigns, he I won the title in 20... Did he win the title in 2020, I want to say? So he's been, yeah, so he's been jumping for a long time. But I think this year, just gone from strength to strength to strength, you know, with Paul Heyman as well. I'm not... I'm not necessarily bored like when you've got Cena as champion for a long time or certainly when you had Reigns as champion when he was a face you're like oh 
I just want to see something else now. It's still been interesting and they're finding little things like the turn with Paul Heyman last week or what's going on with each of the Uso brothers is one of them, you know, going to, you know, worry the thing, how they're going to steady the ship, things like that. There's been little bits with Roman Reigns that have still kept it fresh and he's just been dominant, but I think in a in a, in a better way. Um, so, yeah, the, the world title reigns of Big E and Roman Reigns concurrently as they are, are my fourth best moments of the year i can't think of it's been a long time a long time since both world champions have been good on each brand for their own reasons both heel and face and i think that's married itself quite well yeah uh Chavo chief roman reigns was something i was debating putting on the list so he's my tribal chief this is Paul Levin, he's going, no, 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 my tribal chief. <laughs> I love you, my tribal chief. Um, Dan, your third best moment. Yeah, so um, I would say it's the rise of Ray and Dominic Mysterio as a team. So you had in the hey. Royal Rumble. Yeah. You had the rise of them at the Royal Rumble, the first father and son uh, team to be in a Royal Rumble together. Um, and then they had the journey to actually go on and hold the tag team titles. We were saying at the time was we didn't know whether Bob Orton and Randy Orton had it uh, previous, but it was good to see that there's a generation of it. You can see that Dominic is learning quite a lot um, and developing quite a lot. Um, and I think when we looked at that Royal Rumble, there was only Otis and um, Dominic Mysterio who were under, under 30 in that Rumble. Um, yeah. But then you look at the development of Dominic Mysterio since um, and the strides that they're taking, uh, going from brands, brand to brand, um, and the development of them as a team, it's nice to see something new. So I know you find it funny yeah. that that's on the list, but I think it's, it's great that we're seeing a new team established and you're seeing that passing of the torch from father to son. You know, you can see Ray Mysterio's not got that long left in him and he's passing on his skills to his son and it's been really good to see. It's been good telly. Do you think he'll hand the mask over to him and let Dominic wear it when he retires? Potentially, but then when you've got the whole, we know what Dominic now looks like, um, so if he's wearing a mask, yeah, but Ray Mysterio used to not wear a mask in WCW. Yeah, it is true. But with Ray in WWE, it was always that thing of no, he has to cover his face. You can't have a luchador can't be unmasked. But with yeah. Dominic, it'd be, it'd be like in the ring, like why are we scared? Why are we? Why is he scared of losing the mask? We know what he looks like. No, he just so put, he just that put that it kind to of... his father's legacy, don't you? Yeah, yeah but we know what he looks you don't like. Don't want to let so his father makes... down. Makes you think, why would you be afraid to take have the mask taken off you? I know it's part of the heritage, but... If you see, like, a, you, you see, like, that's a fire or something, or, like, a chemical thing. <laughs> chemical, like, zoo-wanted for toxic. If he comes out like Andrade, Andrade comes to a ring with a mask and then takes it off as he wrestles. But if he did it that way, then fair enough. But if he wrestled in a mask, it just makes no sense now, because he's been there for a few years without one. I think it's uh, it's not one I thought of potentially for number three, but I understand and respect your reasons for it being on there. No, it makes sense. Will we understand and respect Joe's number three? I swear to God, Joe, if you go, well, I actually had Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. <laughs> um, I actually didn't. I had that uh, independent wrestling company called GCW. You want my dreams? <laughs> um, so like um, yeah, Bryson, Nick Gage, and um, Matt Cardona as well. Be like the champion of Matt Cardona showing up because they're not like a big independent and they just done like all their stuff online. They've just blown up. Like I, I never before this year if you said GCW to me like who who are they? Never heard of them. Uh, same with Nick Gage. Who are they? Who is he? Never heard of him. 
And then um, you guys like mentioned um, his dark side of the ring, and I was like, "Who's this Nick Gage guy anyway?" I'm like, "Who the hell is he?" And then I found out about him like using you know the bothered bank robbery and like, all of his like death matches and stuff. And then and I saw the the stuff that was going on with ECW, and then Matt Carpenter turned up, and like fair play to Matt Carpenter, he's like put ECW over the top, and him at Gage's match over the top, and then John Moxley turned up, and I'm like. Yeah, GCW is just been like the standout here. Like, considering like last year, I never heard this company, and now this company is like holding this weight. And like, that's all people can talk about is this company called GCW, and all they're doing is sharing stuff on Twitter and like, YouTube and Facebook. Like, they're not, they don't have the many of like AEW or WWE, and they're holding their own. They're like, they're like this version, this um, like Century's version of ECW, I think. Yeah, good point. And I think almost in a way, Matt Cardona kind of needs his own honourable mention or place on the list because he's certainly doing what he needs to do to revitalise his career. Um, but yeah, no, like, I agree with you. Proper ripped and everything, only win the world title. New world champion. Hopefully, under the moniker Matt Cardona and not Zack Ryder. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, what's your <laughs> third best moment of the year? I'll take you back to August 2021 and the weekend of SummerSlam. It was AEW Rampage on the Friday night, live from Chicago, Illinois. No. When that music, when that music hit and CM Punk finally returned to wrestling. Since he's been out since Ring of Honor, since 2005. Well, yes, yes. So, yeah, CM Punk's return. I don't know why you're lumping it up with the other ones because that deserves a separate mention. But mm. CM Punk, his debut with the moment, like you said, is one of the biggest pops, bigger than Money in the Bank 2011 with John Cena in Chicago. One of the yeah. greatest moments. Uh, in Everybody wanted to see it happen. It finally happened. CM Punk back in professional wrestling, number three. Well, my number three best moment of the year is also a return but it's not that one what did what's the one thing that whilst the roman reigns feud started to dwindle needed it was a lesnar return and we've so you know some people shit on it some people aren't happy with lesnar coming back but this year they did it right and lesnar as a face in his bloody farming gear and dungaree, dungarees, but actually cutting promos each week when he's on, and decent promos as well, has been brilliant. And it's something that we probably didn't know that we needed. You know, it was always, I think we mentioned it at the beginning of when we started our podcast almost a year ago, it'd be interesting to see Lesnar come back and have the dynamic of Paul Heyman in the middle and then both of mm-hmm. them two against each other. And that's exactly what they've done. But I think they've done it in the best way possible. And... Probably, like I said, whilst the Reigns hype was starting to dwindle, he's beating everybody week in, week out. He's beating everybody who comes, you know, who challenges him at pay-per-views. Oh, what else is next? And Reigns co- and Lesnar coming back as he as he, do, as he did, brilliant. <laughs> yes, slight blip with the, um, was it Crown Jewel? Um, of course, of him having that much, but I kind of forget about that because that's almost a glorified <laughs> house show in itself. So he is, you know... He, He's been a decent part of why you wanted to tune into SmackDown as well. So 
yeah, for me, Ray uh, Lesnar coming back is my third favourite moment in wrestling this year. One minute. Let me just think of this. Oh, I don't know if it was this no, year. It can't. was. Thank God. Because I just realised it's just coming to my head. Worst moment of the year. Definitely yeah. up there. Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens, that handcuff. <laughs> handcuff, yeah. Just quickly change the camera and stop counting. <laughs> Those handcuffs. He, he couldn't get it done. He couldn't. He was stuck. <laughs> Dan, what is your second best moment of the year? Yeah, so my number two would be um, Xavier Woods winning King of the Ring. Oh, yes, of course. So we were all looking at going, you know, being sceptical WWE fans, well, they're never going to give it to somebody who deserves it, who's wanted it for the, their entire career, who's dreamt about it, who's been pitching about it ever since they joined the company. They're never going to give it to him. They're going to give it to Jinder Mahal instead. But they actually went through it. They and should have yeah, well, they've, they've given him a gimmick now, and he's got the gimmick of King Woods, and they, you know, they've done the thing with the T-shirts, and they've got the crowns, and all that. And he's actually, he's wanted something from the start of his career, and he's actually been able to go out and get it. Usually, WWE don't do that. So, for actually putting the spotlight on the third New Day member and actually elevating Woods instead of just Kofi and Big E, I put that as the number two. I think we're all so happy as fans to actually see a conclusion to something that somebody's wanted for so many years and they've actually been able to achieve it. So, yeah, King Woods winning King of the Ring would be my number two. Nice field with moment. Shame, shame it was uh, in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Joe, your second best moment of the year. My second one, um, this was uh, toss between number one, but my second one is fans coming back like properly, like in full attendance, like in the crowds. Yeah, the Thunderdome was all right. Yeah, it, we had to have it because of COVID and whatever was going on. But actual like fans. They're cheering everyone, interacting with everyone. Yeah, there's nothing like the crowds. And uh, for the most part, apart from what I've been a couple of weeks ago with Seth Rollins, it's been really good. So, yeah, fans coming back is definitely up there for me. I think that's a very, very fair one, to be honest. Jamie? Um, I'm going away from the ring for this one, and you did mention it in your honourable mention. Uh, but for me, the Broken School Sessions with Chris Jericho terrible, was one of the, terrible, the biggest terrible. moments of the year. Like you said, actually speaking about AEW and WWE programming, having that moment with it all on, I think it was one of the most hotly anticipated moments of the year. Like as soon as they announced it, everyone was like, holy shit. And then obviously everybody wanted to watch it. And I'm pretty sure Dan definitely did and Joe, obviously, and myself, I think we all watched that on day one. Like, yeah, yeah. There was no waiting for it, so it was like we needed to watch it straight away because it was such a pivotal moment in wrestling, and it was a great interview. It wasn't just like like when you thought back in the day, you know, when they had AJ Styles and he started talking about TNA for the first time, and he always like kind of swerved past other companies and just kind of went, you were somewhere else, but yeah. actually using the words. And like I said, Jericho was talking about Sammy Guevara, obviously someone who's never been to WWE and MJF, and speaking to all of these people as well and using their names on the WWE programming. It was a great moment. And it stands as obviously probably number one. I think it beats The Undertaker. It's definitely the best broken school session. We want part two. Oh, yes. It ain't happening. My number two, again, I'm consolidating a couple of names here together, even though they happened, well, one of them happened at a slightly different time. It is the AEW debuts of Punk um, Danielson 
and Adam Cole. Throwing it all together is the second best moment of the year, just because within the space of a week or two, um, you have three massive names all in one company. We've already spoken about Punk and how long he'd been out. You know, Brian Danielson, Willie Bunty, and Adam Cole, I think we knew it was all going as well, but it was just the way in which they debuted him as well. I think people were expecting Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson and, you know, to start with, and it was Cole. Um, that massive coup for them, if you want to call it a coup, um, and certainly, you know, for certainly those weeks or two really, really, really put AEW on the map and probably got some people, like you mentioned earlier, with our friend Steen and things like that, got people wanting to check them out. And that's exactly the reason why you debut massive stars like those two or three of them there, is to get people watching, but more importantly, get new viewers. And I, I think it worked. And, yeah, very, very feel-good moments, particularly for CM Punk. So, that, as a collective, is my second best moment of the year. But, Dan, now we come to you for number one. What is your best moment of the year in wrestling of 2021? The announcement yes, my of best day one. one. My <laughs> oh, <yeah>. home! <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my uh, number one, following on from what Joey said, the return of fans, not just WWE, but the return of fans uh, you know, everywhere, seeing uh, the British wrestling scene coming back, seeing GCW... Um, Impact's got uh, fans there, AEW's getting sold out arenas as well. Uh, but it all culminated at WrestleMania uh, with the quarterfinal uh, stadium. And then we had the rain delay with um, also honourable mention of Samoa Joe in his raincoat. That's yes. what I have an honourable mention. That was brilliant. Um, but yeah, having the fans back there, and it almost got spoiled. You know, they've had to wait for so <laughs> they had to wait for so long to go back and see wrestling. And it was delayed again. You know, the only time that we've had a rain delay at WrestleMania. And then um, they come back and Wrestle the fans were electric. Rainier. It was. You know, they managed the backstage segments where they were interviewing and trying to fill time. But the fans going back, you could tell that they were just, you know, everyone got a cheer. You know, yeah, there were faces and they were healed. Everybody got a cheer. Everybody was so happy that wrestling was back. Yeah, the crowd were a little bit delayed um, in cheering people and booing people afterwards. But... I've got to be fair, the fans coming back, like you said, Thunderdome was one of the worst moments, but one of the the, the best moment is the fans coming back. Fantastic. What have you got for number one, Joe? Biggie winning the World Championship. I mean, I've been seeing years Biggie should be a champion in the WWE, and he's been in the US, he's been, you know, tag, and he's been in the UK for so long, and then he finally, he finally cashes in his the bank, and he, He's finally champion, and um, same as you said earlier, Taryn, like I thought that they were just going to give him the championship and squash him, but they've booked him really, really strong. He's such a good character, they've just letting him be in Dalf. I thought they might turn him heel, but they haven't. Yeah, it's just, I'm so glad for Biggie, and they're giving him a time to shine, and they're building a new superstar, and I think he'll be a big superstar for years to come. I don't think this is just everything, I think this will be going on now for years, Tim. Lovely and well-deserved at that. Jamie, your number one. I think we all know what it is, to be completely honest. I mean, you talk about the moment I've watched the most this year. Was it Max Verstappen beating Lewis Hamilton for the no, World Championship? Because that is absolutely the number one moment of the year. That's not wrestling. That's driving. <laughs> it's called a motor race, total. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, all out 2021 as a pay per view as a whole. I mean, like you said, you had 
CM Punk's first match, Ruby Soho making her debut, and then of course, you know it's all about the boom. No, no. How can you put it in the same as Punk? It's completely different. That moment when like it happened and everyone's going mental because they think it's going to be Brian Danielson, and then Adam Cole comes out and everyone's losing their absolute shit over that. Then it's a double turn that is actually heel, and they have yeah, the little kiss on the cheeks. Up. Beautiful moment right there. And then, of course, you have, without further ado, I must bid you a good night. And and then Rise of the Valkyries hit. And it's just, there is no better moment this year than those 10 minutes of wrestling. I think like after bad. After that match, the Adam Cole double turn and then Brian Danielson joining. And obviously now he's heel as, as whatever, but, you know. Kenny Omega deserves a big shout as well. He's been great all year. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, he, he, he's injured now. But All Out 2021 is the pay-per-view of the year. Those last 10 minutes I've watched God knows how many times. About actually, six, on TV, six, I've yeah. watched it from fans' perspective. I've watched all the interviews afterwards from AEW Unrestricted as well. It's moment of the year, and it was so great. I'm not even a massive Adam Cole fan, but when that music hits, you know it's all about that boom, baby. I, I knew That's it was. It's he says one. it in the song. Yeah, I think All that's fair. Fair enough. Moment of the year. It's not CM Punk deserves to be separate because of the Chicago crowd. Don't know why you all lumped it into one, but fair well, it's a collective. It's a conglomerate. <laughs> um, every right to be here. It's a public one. It's a public forum. <laughs> um, my number one. Um, I, I, it's probably hard to. Whilst I get what Jamie's saying, yeah, you know we have we have mentioned. Certainly not. He said SummerSlam was the event of the year before. Well, certainly WWE. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I think number one, it's it's probably hard to disagree um, with the fact that it was arguably a better return. I'd probably say it's a bigger return, but a better return number number one anyway. I'm at the Royal Rumble, a Victoria in the Women's Royal Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, she should be in the Honourable Um I won't go too much into it. Number one has already been mentioned. Um, is the return of fans. Just get out of that bloody Thunderdome. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we don't go back into it. Who knows what's going on here? But just... You forget how much you miss it. It's a little bit emotional. It's like when I first went back to the football after months and months and months, and I kind of stood there and almost got a bit teary because I'm like, wow, I'm back. At... How weird is it I that I should you. be getting emotional being back at the football? And it was a quality win, which eventually led to Wembley and promotion back into the championship. But, um, yeah, seeing fans back at the wrestling as well and just the, the passion. And I can't remember what the episode of Raw was, but it was probably rather poor. But I didn't care because fans were back and people were enjoying themselves. And at the end of the day, it's wrestling, and that's what we all love. So I know yes. I'm going to go into it, obviously with the fans and stuff, but it was more towards last year when it started. But the Judas sing along when the fans were back in the yeah. crowds and stuff, you had all the Judas sing along. I know that was kind of last year. No, the but number one came, moment. But when they came have... back, and yeah, the Judas. The number yeah. one moment should have been us going to Fozzy. Well, it's yeah, not remember. wrestling, unfortunately. Remember, oh, they are yeah, a band, Fozzy. There's no Y2J up here. It. No, it's There's true. no Y2J up here. This is Fozzy, man. Fuzzy, so, yeah. <laughs> not, in, not in Swansea, there isn't. Well, in Swansea, unfortunately. So, yes, Richard, hopefully you'll see him soon. Um, but, yeah, that's it. So, that's a rundown of our best and worst moments. I think we could probably... Number one, then, is probably a tie between fans returning and... 
all out slash the returns debuts that type of thing and i would probably say as a if we look it's at the egg. all as we one, know the egg is the egg is the egg <laughs> survivor series slash that kid egg yeah terrible um but i'm interested to hear what our listeners think as well so if you have any comments what your worst and best moments were let us know on the old socials when we pop up our uh, statuses to let you know that this episode is available. But, yes, some good lists, guys. Some good lists. Shall we finish with a quiz? Go on, mate. Yeah, there's a quiz. Right. <laughs> there is indeed. There's a quiz. What have you written for us, Joe? What have you got for us this week? He's like, what? No, don't worry. I've written it. And I entitled this quiz. Let me find it first. I did it on my phone whilst I was waiting for the wife to have her nails done this morning. While he was running errands, he says. I've been out all day. I have. It's been ridiculous. Um, Right. So I call this quiz the really hard wrestling Christmas quiz. I'll be surprised if you get more than two or three, put it this way. Um, right. So I want no cheating, no Google, Jamie, because I can I know what's there going on it is. Same with you, Same with you, Joe. <laughs> um, ten questions to do with wrestling in uh, and, and around Christmas time. Quite difficult. Question one. Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol was parodied on WWF TV with Roddy Piper. But what was it called? It wasn't called A Christmas Carol. No, he's typing it into Ask Jeeves. <laughs> you know I use Word, don't you worry. Would you like me to Question. share my screen so you know I'm not lying? <laughs> but then you see all my answers. No, they'll do it. No, it's Joe. I want Joe to share his screen. Like Googling going on. <laughs> Question two. Good lad. Question two. Hornswoggle won a battle royal on the November 29th, 2011 episode of SmackDown, where the prize was to receive a wish from Santa Claus. He did receive his wish backstage from Mick Foley dressed as Santa Claus, and his wish was granted. But what was his wish? He loves it. Look at him. He loves it. It's the quality Christmas quiz. Question three. While Hulk Hogan was addressing his WCW Championship match against Sting, a production crew member brought him a big Christmas present down to the ring. What was his Christmas present inside the box? Ah. I think it's the only one I might actually get. (laughs) (laughs) Question four. What was the opening match to ECW slash WWE's December to Dismember pay-per-view? Thank God I watched this last night. No, you didn't. (laughs) Did you really? (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say. The opening match. (laughs) Right, number five, have you been paying attention to recent events? What is the name of the 2020 and 2021 AEW Dynamite Christmas episodes? Or Christmas themed episodes, should I say? 
Right, two similar questions coming up. Question six. TNA Impact 2007's Christmas episode featured what type of cage match? So what was it called, a cage match? What was that question again? TNA Impact 2007 Christmas episode had a cage match, but what was the cage match called? It wasn't just called a cage match. Question seven. TNA Impact 2007 Christmas episode featured what type of a ladder match? Oh dear, oh dear. There was a certain type of ladder match they had on their Christmas episode. What was it called? Question eight. Who created and starred in their own documentary about learning how to become Santa and also looking at the various personalities of those dabbling to become Santa Claus? It's the only one I think I know. <laughs> Question nine. Who starred as Santa in the Christmas-themed horror film titled Santa's Slay? <laughs> Santa's sleigh. <laughs> Who was Santa Claus? And question 10. What was unique about the December 25th edition of Monday Night Raw in 2017? So there was something particularly unique that hasn't happened before. On the December 25th edition of Monday Night Raw in 2017. Right, that is your 10 questions in the dead-hard Christmas wrestling quiz. So we will go to number one. So number one, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol was parodied on WWF TV with Roddy Piper. Joe, I shall come to you first. It wasn't called The Christmas Carol. It was called what? Christmas Quarrel. <laughs> Dan? Christmas Chaos. And Jamie? A Roddy Christmas. Oh, you were close. It was a roundy <laughs> Christmas carol. No! A roundy Christmas carol. <laughs> I deserve a point for that. <laughs> you deserve bugger all because it was wrong. <laughs> Number two, Hornswoggle won a battle royal. His prize was a wish from Santa Claus. Mick Foley was Santa Claus and granted his wish. What was his wish, Dan? Uh, kiss from Maria Canales. That's Joe. what I put. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie got the same. And Joe... <laughs> I put pot gold because he's like a legit leprechaun. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> a leprechaun, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, unfortunately, you were all wrong. This is when Hornswoggle was mute, and this was the storyline to be able to get him to talk, so his wish was that he could talk, <laughs> and ever since then, he spoke. Oh, wow. Question three. What How was Hulk Hogan? I assume he wrote it down. Uh, Seamus came over and said, I know what his wish is, because he eliminated Seamus from the Battle Royal. Um, <laughs> Hulk Hogan was gifted what in a present box, Jamie, in the ring? It's Sting! <laughs> Dan? I wrote Sting as well. Joe? Sting. 
you're all wrong. It was a severed it's head. <laughs> it's a severed head. <laughs> Probably the inspiration came from seven, but it was a severed head. <laughs> um, Dan, what was the? Oh, Jamie, sorry, we'll go to you. What was the opening match of December to dismember? CM Punk versus Elijah Burke. Joe. Big Show versus Zack Ryder. And Dan. Miz versus CM Punk. It was the Hardy Boys versus Eminem. Oh, <laughs> oh, that was a good match. Though. Is that the one where Joey Mercury busts his nose? No, that was oh. um, the ladder match, the four-team ladder match at one of the Armageddon, so I want to say. Yeah. Um, question five. Uh, Dan, what is the name of the AEW Christmas-themed Dynamite episodes of last year and this year? I just wrote down Rampage. I didn't know. <laughs> Joe? Winter is coming. Jamie? Well, thank God I watched it today. It's Holiday Bash. It's Holiday Bash, a point to and Jamie. next week, do New Year's Bash. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> TNA, question six, TNA Impact 2007's Christmas episode featured what type of cage match? Jamie, do you want to have a guess of what it was called, the cage match? It, it, funny enough, I've got between two, and I went for a Santa's Grotto match. What was your other one? Uh, something about the North Pole. <laughs> All right. uh, I just wrote down barbed wire. <laughs> and you? Cage match. Oh, you got... it was the Christmas Chaos Cage match. And question seven: time. Anybody want to have a guess at what the um, <laughs> ladder match was themed and called? Dan, Dan. That... mistletoe. Dan, uh, Joe. Uh, the naughty list match. I went like climb to North Pole. It was the grab the reindeer ladder match. Oh wow! To be fair, I was thinking reindeer for one of them. Uh, right, Joe. Did we get number eight right? Who created and started the road documentary about learning to become Santa and also looking put, at the various personalities of those dabbling to become him? I put Mick Foley. Dan, surely. I also wrote. Me. I also wrote Mick Foley. Jamie. Say Mick Foley. It was Vince McMahon. It was Mick Foley. <laughs> Thank God. But Jamie, who stars in as Santa in the Christmas themed horror film Santa's Sleigh? I just put Kane. I know it's wrong, but Joe. why not? Bill Burke and Dan Ooh, Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Oh God, one of you has got it right. I think it's Goldberg. It was Goldberg. <laughs> and oh, he spears someone whilst he's there as well. Oh, and number 10, who can tell me what was unique about the 2017 Christmas episode of Monday Night Raw? Yeah, Joe? I put it was cancelled because it was snowing. Dan? Yeah, I wrote the same. wasn't live or um, it's something due to snow. And Jamie? I thought it was recorded. It wasn't Monday Night Live. Well, it was the other way round, because it was the first and only episode of Raw that occurred on Christmas Day that took place on Christmas Day. It was completely live and wasn't pre-recorded, and they had a sold-out arena live on Christmas Day. Oh. So, um... We yes. a draw between Jamie and Joe, I think. So we do. Yeah. We have a draw between Jamie and Joe. 
So is it? This is our. This will be our second to last. Next week will be the last one of the year, won't it? So this I is. I might just give the point to Joe. Well, Dan, no, Dan's on eighteen. <laughs> Jamie's on eleven, and me and Joe are both on at six. I'm giving the point to Joe here. So I'm going to give you a. <laughs> if it's the nearest two, I'm going way off, Joe. Don't worry. I'm going to give you another <laughs> question now that I'm really just quickly Googling. Let's have a look. Um, oh, God. Tom's going to finish bottom on both. Let's have... No, it, it can't happen. It can't happen. Right. Okay. My hope. Here we go. <laughs> um, oh, no, I actually don't know. Just I give don't know what Joe. to... Oh, because we can't have that. Right, let's have a quick look. <laughs> um, whilst I'm looking for a final question, Dan, do you want to let everybody know about the socials? <laughs> yeah, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts on your Apples, your Spotify's, your Deezers. But we're Grapplecast Show. You can find us on Spotify. Oh, well, yeah, you can find us on Spotify. You've done you that bit. On Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Give us some comments. But yeah, Spotify and uh, yeah, Apple as well. Check us out. Right. This is not going to be um this is not going to be a Christmas themed question. The first one the first one to shout out the first ever winner of the, the Royal Rumble. Oh, come well, on. I believe Thanks in you. Thanks, Jim <laughs> No, he purposely, purposely <laughs> let him. <laughs> oh, dear God, I'm going to have to allow it on. All right, that puts Joe on seven, so it puts me to the bottom of the leaderboard. So, isn't it Joe's turn next week? No, no it's Dan. Fine. No. <laughs> uh, it's between you two. Oh, dear God. I might, just, I might just win it on purpose next week. Uh, probably right well that was our year in review and our best and worst moments in wrestling of this year so thank you very much guys hope everybody enjoyed listening to that as well you've heard where you can find us on the socials let us know what you think about this year's um, wrestling and we'll well yes we'll join you next week for our last show of the year where we will have a look at the upcoming day one pay-per-view Jamie would you like to sign us off from the moment of the year 2021, without further ado, I must bid you a good night and Hold one arm drag Brett screwed Brett. It's me, Austin! I did it. For the rock. Oh, shut your mouth, you thong wearing fatty. Number four, armbar. <laughs>